Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Welcome back to the MTO Podcast. This is episode 23, our Jordan episode, so we know we got to come in hot on this one. Uh, we're going to talk a little baseball. My man Nick has been uh, clamoring for some baseball talk, and I figured what better time than the 4th of July, you know, America's pastime. So we're going to get into some baseball conversations. Uh, we're going to talk NBA playoffs, uh, Shikari Richardson, the NIL, and just kind of go off from there and talk any topics that are going on in sports right now. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's go straight to baseball. Let's talk All-Stars. The All-Star teams have been announced. Any surprises or anything like that with these teams? You know, not really for the most part. The fans, I usually give the fans grief on voting. They're usually not very good at it. They're usually biased. They're, you know, they're fans. And they usually miss on guys that have, you know, better stats for more popular names usually. But this year, I honestly feel like they did a pretty much, you know, spot on job. Everybody they picked is pretty much having great years. Um, Mike Trout was voted in. That's probably the only one that probably shouldn't have been voted in just because he's been hurt majority of the year. And uh, obviously he's not going to play in the All-Star game. I don't even, honestly, I don't even know when he's scheduled to come back. I really haven't heard anything on him lately. So uh, Mike Trout pretty much is going to be the only one that, as of this time, is going to need replacing. So that's probably... You're looking at probably maybe a Michael Brantley for the Houston Astros or uh, what is it? I think it's Cedric Mullins for the Orioles who's having a pretty good year. You know, maybe give the young kid a shot, especially since it's an Oriole. They're not a very good team. And for them to have a legit all-star that could actually start in the game would probably be good for baseball, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that would help out. But uh, no, man, they were pretty spot on. I like the teams. The, um, I think it's going to be a really good game. Shohei Otani is uh, DHing. Maybe, hopefully, he can get the start. Honestly, at pitcher and DH, that'd be kind of cool thing for the uh, All Star game. I kind of hope that goes down like that. Um, I think that's a good idea. That'd be dope. Yeah, I think that'd be really legit. Uh, Buster Posey making an All Star game again. The the dude's still in the league, let alone making an All Star team. You know, uh, pretty much. You know, holding down the. Does he still catch? Yeah, he's, he, he's still out there. First? He's still out there. That's what's crazy about it, because most catchers like that, when they get to that this age, they kind of move them to first, because that's a tough position to play for all these years. Like your knees are gone, basically, <laughs> like for most people at this point in time. Like I know, like uh, Joe Maurer is a good example of that. A guy who was catcher for the longest time, and then towards the end of his career, he's like, "Let me just go play first base. I don't feel like doing this catching thing anymore." So the fact that Buster's still back there and and still at an All Star level, that's that's a big salute to him because he, he's been doing it for a long time now. Yeah, I think it's uh, more or less too just him handling that pitching staff for so long and all those, you know, everybody just kind of used to him being back there. I think it's just at this point it's normalcy for that organization and probably what they need. You know, they're you know one of the best teams in baseball, again, that just a well-run organization that always tends to be good every year or decently solid, you know, just always going to be well-run. So, you know, you got Buster up there, um, Tatis Jr., of course, having a great season, uh, Cunha Jr., um, Winker, and wow. Castellanos for the Reds, man. Uh, those guys can mash. And I'm, I'm excited to see those guys in uh, Colorado up there in Mile High. 
it's going to be a lot of home runs, I think, hitting this all-star game. Like, there's a lot of guys that like to swing for the fences and a lot of guys that can hit home runs. This might be one of them, like, 15, 12 all-star games we get. It's what I'm hoping for, at least. Yeah, so you brought up home runs, and we have a stacked slate for the home run derby. Who, who do you got in that? That's what I want to know. Who, who's going to win that? Man, I'm going with the dude I like to call Godzilla, and that's Shohei Otani. That's who I'm going with. I'm going with Godzilla. That dude just mashes, man. His home runs, like, he doesn't hit a short home run. Like, you see dudes that, even dudes that hit a lot of home runs, they'll hit a home run that, like, barely clears the fence, that they hit, like, oppo or something like that. No, not Shohei. Everything's a bomb. Nothing's, a, like, a barely hit home run, like, in Houston with the Crawford boxes out left field, which is, like, 250. Nah, none of that. You Everything's, like, 340, 360, 370. Everything. So I got Shohei up in Denver, man. He, he, nothing's going to be a cheap swing. He's going to get his money's worth on everything. Yeah, Vlad's in it, right? Vlad Jr.? I think he backed out. I think, uh, I think Did he, he? Yeah, I think he was in it, and then I think he backed out because probably a Blue Jays decision, I think, more than anything. Yeah. So I think they because they're kind of you know right, they're well, they're trying to do a little late season run. So I think they kind of want him for the season. So I think he yeah he's gonna have to back out that. Yeah, if he backed out, then I would probably go with Shohei as well because I wanted I wanted to see Young Vlad do it because you know everything he's. So you're talking about Shohei, everything is a moonshot. I feel like with Vlad, everything looks like a moonshot if you watch his swing. He swing hard as hell on every swing. Hey, like, I remember I just watched the highlight of uh, they were. I don't remember whose ass they were being. They were being Tampa Bay's ass. And they had a, a outfielder pitching. And he was throwing like 49. And I swear Vlad was about to throw his back out trying to hit that shit out the park. That shit. <laughs> he tried so hard to kill that damn thing. Yeah, had me rolling. That's, that's why I wanted to see him because he's just like his daddy. Um, swings at everything, swings hard, and finds Because he's hitting like 330 too. So it's not just for power, it's for average as well. So, uh, yeah, that is. I think it's Shohei's if Vlad ain't going to be there, even though is Tatis in it? I don't think so either. I know he was talking about being in it. Yeah, I don't think so They either. both backed out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this has got to be Shohei then. Yeah, I, I don't, gotta be. I don't I, think nobody's going to I know Trevor's story's in it. Yeah. And I know that would be a good story, no pun intended, but I don't see him beating Shohei. I don't see that happening. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I got Shohei in that. Uh, but, I mean, you know, story might have a chance. He knows the ballpark, so, you know, you never know. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to hit it a long ways. I mean, I don't think you really need to know the ballpark like that. Like, there's a fence, hit it over that. So, hey, I think Shohei is might know uh, his sweet spot. more than he capable might... of doing that. He's like, hey, my sweet spot right over here. <laughs> he knows, like, the jet stream and whatnot. Yeah. So, like, he knows, like, if you hit it here, it flies better. Yeah, he's going to he gonna have to rely on something like that because it ain't going to just be the fact that he's a better power hitter. So, uh, while we're talking players – let me throw this in there. Who who would you have for MVPs of the league if based on like the halfway mark? Ooh, good question, good question. I'll go I'll go AL first just because I watch uh, a lot of AL teams being that I'm an Astros fan. And with the season the Red Sox are having, I might go Xander Bogarts right now. Just cuz 
He's, I, in my opinion, he's their best player. I know there's got a couple other guys that are having good seasons that you know you might throw out some names. I think that he's their best player. Um, they had a very down season last year; wasn't very good. But that was kind of a lot of teams short season that happens. It was a sprint, not a marathon like it usually is. So it's a little bit different. So uh, you know, the Sox have bounced back. Best team in AL right now. I think a game, maybe a game and a half above the Astros for that. And Dude's having a great year, and with this team being the best team in the AL, he he's probably my front runner. Vlad's up there too, but the Blue Jays aren't having as good a season. But you know, baseball's a crazy sport. You don't really have to have a good season team wise to end up with the MVP. So Vlad's numbers might just end up at the end of the season blowing Xander out the water. But I don't think so. You know, Xander's hitting for power, hitting for average. He's got some ribbies too. So I think he'll keep his stats close enough. With his team being, I think, way better, that I think he'll probably end up at the end probably squeaking out that MVP just because the Red Sox will probably have 100 and something wins. They'll win the AL East, probably, you know, be a 1-2, probably a 1-2 seed. I don't, I can't see him dropping below that. Probably them and the Astros fighting it out for best team in the AL. So unless somebody from the Astros maybe hits has a killer second half and puts their name in, you know, up there with Xander along with their team... I think it's Xander Bogart's probably to lose at this point. Okay, that makes sense to me. You know, I've obviously already shared that I'm a big Vlad fan, so I kind of hope he gets it done. But I understand that records matter. So, and you're, you're the baseball guru, so I'm going to defer to you on that. I'll just say that I'm rooting for Vlad. Uh, NL, what do you think on the NL side? The NL is a little bit more trickier, I think, because I'm not sh- sure... You know, they have a lot of guys that are just kind of doing the same thing. So then I think I'm going to go to a team aspect again, honestly. So it's probably going to be somebody out of that NL West. Right now, you're probably saying maybe a Tatis Jr. uh, Just because the Padres are going to be one of the uh, fighting it out for the NL West along with the Dodgers, the Giants. They're all going to be trying to get that top spot. So that might go a long way. And... uh, so I think Tatis Jr. probably pulls that out in the end if his team can win the division, honestly. Because that'll go, to me, that is just going to have so much credibility because you're going to have a whole bunch of teams that are probably going to be at the 9900 win mark, you know, mid-90s. Buki Met, uh, Mookie Betts, sorry, could probably uh, get back up in there with the Dodgers. He's always an MVP candidate, you know, already has a couple MVPs, a couple World Series rings. His... Uh, name is, you know, well known in the baseball world. So maybe a Mookie, a Tatis Jr. Um, maybe a, I'm trying to think. Nobody really for the Brewers. They're having a good season, but nobody that stands out on that squad. Um, let me, let me, let me cut you off real quick. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible that the Grom wins MVP and Cy Young? Ooh. You know what? That's I, I like that. I can take that because the Mets are having a good season. They're in first right now. They're a couple games up. The Grom ERA under one, amazing. Everybody knows the Grom is an amazing pitcher. Seven and two. I'm not going to take his two losses. He probably lost both of the games, giving up like one run. It happens. He plays for the Mets. So, uh, you know, yeah. If this team wins, you know, actually, if they just make the playoffs, if they just make the playoffs. I'm I'm definitely willing to give DeGrom MVP and Cy Young, you know, Justin Verlander style, like he did back in the day with the Tigers. Yeah, for sure. If he's definitely if his ERA's 
what, what is it right now? Like I said, what is it under one still? It's a dot nine five, I think. Dot nine five. Okay, exactly. As long yeah. as that thing stays yes. like under three, I'm good. Yeah, we could do that. Degrom, double it up. Okay, let me ask another Degrom question: Is where does he rank from like an all-time pitcher standpoint? Because I'm a casual. I like baseball, but I don't pay that close attention. But I'm looking at what he's doing, and I'm like, I don't know if in my lifetime I've seen this. And maybe I'm wrong, because I know there's a lot of people that uh, tout Kershaw. Frankly, I'm not as high on Kershaw as other people are, and I think it's because I'm a little bit kind of... I just haven't loved him. I watched mostly in the playoffs, and we know that he's had a little bit of struggles in the playoffs, so that's when I've seen him personally, so I'm just like... It ain't the same for me. DeGrom obviously hasn't really had that platform yet. Because, uh, like you said, he plays for the Mets. Where would you put him? I don't want to go all-time because, you know, with baseball, you go all-time. People just don't put him over the people they they grew up seeing. So, like, people are going to always be like Tom Seaver and Whitey Ford. I don't even know who that is. I just heard the name a lot. Um, where would you put him? Let's say in the Latin, since two thousand. Let's just use that. Ooh, since if we're just gonna go since two thousand, like just I guess maybe I'm trying to think still in the league. To me, he's prime Pedro. Like if a lot of people, if you you know listen to guys that talk baseball, when they kind of talk about the highest form pitching, you know that they've seen, you know as of lately, they always talk about prime Pedro Martinez and how good he was. And I see a lot of that in Degrom. I just I don't you know. He hasn't been in the playoffs as much as he said, you know, being playing for the Mets that we haven't gotten to see it in the playoffs, which is where you really make your name, which is probably why you're not as high on Clayton Kershaw, because he's kind of made his name off of the regular season and not as much off of the playoffs. Kind of been, you know, the opposite. And he tends to eat a lot off of that NL West that usually, you know, wasn't up until this year, really. But uh, going back to DeGrom, you know, he's up there, man. He's, you know, one of the best pitchers probably going to be ever to do it. He's definitely going. He's already I mean, I have to look at it, but I'm pretty sure he's probably already going to be in Cooperstown if he quit today. Uh, I really wish he had a little bit of offense to see how better his record could be wise. Like, I don't, his, I don't think he's going to have the wins per se, you know, that normal pitchers have just because he plays for the Mets and he just never has run support. Like, I would love to see out of like almost all the Hall of Fame pitchers, you know, what's his run support per start? Like, it's got to be like two three runs like low it can't be higher than that because it seems like every time he gets a dub it's like two to one three to two three to one like they just don't score runs when he plays and i and i don't know if that's like a batter's mentality of hey we just need to get a couple runs we know degrom not giving up runs which is a horrible way to think but i feel like that's how they think when he pitches because they just never score runs but even without the run support, he still wins games, still keeps him in, you know, 99% of the games. I have him as a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's one of the best pitchers we've seen in the game over the last, like you said, since 2000. To me, he looks, I mean, put a Jerry Curl on him. He's Pedro Martinez, basically. I, I love the guy. I think he's a great pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I actually just now I want to see him with a Jerry curl. That's what I want to see now. That's the only thing left for him in his resume is to find a way to get his hair into a Jerry curl. Like that's that that'll put him first ballot for me. That's all I did. Need he to used see. to have long hair. Uh, 
the grown? He did used to have long hair. He cut it, yeah. Could have, should have got him. He had his opportunity <laughs> to get that shag, and he decided to just cut it instead. So that's a missed opportunity. That's probably one of the worst decisions he's made of his career in my mind. That's like that's like top five worst moment is when he cut it without the shag. Uh, so yeah, I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer to me. I think it's interesting because I think baseball is probably the the one sport where that's a really big deal, you know, because in football and, and basketball, obviously we have first ballot Hall of Famers, but the voters aren't as ridiculous as they are in, in baseball. So generally, if you're really good, you're just going to be a first ballot, whereas in baseball, maybe not because of the way people, uh, I mean, view voting. Like sometimes they won't vote for you strictly because they think you're a Hall of Famer, but they don't think you should be first ballot, so then they just will wait. Some like they they do too much in baseball. So him being a first ballot Hall of Famer right now is is saying a lot, specifically because he hasn't had any playoff success. So I think you pretty much answered the question for me where you feel he is because for him in a as a professional athlete to be first ballot without any playoff success is a really difficult thing to do because, like you said, we judge people off the playoffs. So clearly. He's that dude if we're already giving him first ballot and he ain't never even done that in the playoffs yet. So hopefully this is his year to get that opportunity. I want to see it because, like I said, that's when I tap in most with baseballs in the playoffs. Um, so let's hope we get that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you might get to see it this year. I mean, they hold on. We, You know, this could be the year where he makes a name. I mean, it kind of sucks he can't pitch every day, you know, but if he could, they'd probably win the World Series. Yeah, if this was like 1920s back in the day where they just went complete game day in, day out, then the Mets might be a title contender. But uh, I'd rather him have an arm so and not have that thing fall off because he's trying to overpitch. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with uh, the modern-day constraints that we have. So going more from a team perspective, who's your surprise teams in the uh, MLB? And then are there any disappointing teams for you? Uh well, I'll go surprise first, and it's probably back to the Mets. Uh, you know, the Mets right now are in first place by a couple games over the Nats. I think a lot of people probably had the Nationals or the Braves winning that div- uh, division, which they still can. They're not that far back. Um, I think the Nats are starting to kind of get rolling. They probably took a little, you know, back step with uh, Cal Schwarber turning his ankle last night. He was on a real tear, just mashing a whole bunch of home runs, and they were winning games. And... Um, so, with probably those two teams being my uh, disappointments right now, but like I said, there's you know still a lot of time. They could probably turn that around, maybe catch the Mets. You know, we're kind of talking about the Mets. Hopefully, for their case, they uh, can hold on to that, so we can see the uh, Grom in the playoffs. The uh, the Brewers, I guess, are another surprise team for me, just because I feel like Brewers are one of those teams that are good but you never know who's really on the team like can you name a brewer besides yelich uh the pitcher brandon <laughs> the woodruff pitcher. i think his name is <laughs> what is his name is? woodruff that's his name right yeah sure his name was woodruff yeah, right have, I, yeah, I, I honestly it. i don't even know if he's still on their squad like that's what i'm saying like oh, he is is he okay I know, that. Cool, cool. I know that that's what i'm saying like yeah. they're that one of those teams that's good and you just never know. Like, the Utah Jazz, basically, like LeBron would say. Like, we, we don't play with y'all. We don't pick y'all on the video game. So that's basically what the Brewers are. Yep. But they're a good team. They're, you know, solid team. They always have a good bullpen. You have a good bullpen again. 
that seems to be their bread and butter is they they find bullpen guys and they're like yo we're gonna be the best bullpen we're gonna hit a little bit you know we're gonna play the nl style hit and run still bases that type thing and we're gonna be solid and we're gonna wait for the cubs to underachieve as usual which is happening again so they're taking over that division are they really underachieving though like should they be better than they are because i don't They've kind of halfway tanked a little bit. I don't want to say tanked. That's the wrong word. Yeah. I mean, they got rid of Schwarber, even though, honestly, I don't love Schwarber, to be honest with you, as a, as a baseball player. Um, sounds like he's he's doing really well right now, but I've always felt like he's overrated. Um, I mean, I guess they still have Javi. They still have Rizzo, and they still have Chris Bryant. So I guess with a team with that kind of star power, you would expect them to do better. But from a pitching standpoint, I don't really think they're there. I mean, I think Lester is still their number one. Yeah, they Kyle bought, Hendricks, they I believe. They brought Jake Arrieta back. That's not a good sign either. Yeah, because it's not the same Arrieta. <laughs> no. It's not the du- it ain't the dude that left. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just not that guy. So, I don't know how much they're underachieving. I know they haven't been done, doing well the last few games. I think they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Yeah. I guess um, they got off to a hot – the Cubs got off to a hot start. And the Cubs are the Cubs. People like to talk about them. So, maybe in my mind from that map. Uh, standpoint they're underachieving but looking at it closer they probably are what they are they are who we thought they were it's the greatest quotes ever <laughs> that will always be funny for me um so for me i guess the surprise team i would say is the giants uh, i think baseball is a really interesting sport as i feel like you know jerry krause is famous for saying that organizations win championships not not players um which in basketball is ridiculous uh, but in baseball, I feel like it's a thing because when you look at like the Tampa Bay Rays, like that's another team that are just good without you knowing who any of these people are. The Giants are that way. We just named the Brewers. I think in baseball you can do that. The A's have traditionally been that team that whereas they're still good and you don't know anybody on that roster. So that's I feel like that's the one sport where organizations really can kind of find a way to kind of do it the same way and, and win games without having star power. Uh, and the Giants kind of exemplify that. Like, they're playing the same. They even have a new coach now, so that's what's, it's not even Bochy anymore. It's so Capper. It's, they just kind of, yeah, so they're just kind of doing the same things and winning with new players, new coaches. I mean, Buster Posey is the, is the constant there. But other than that, they just turn over new players, and they just do the same thing over and over again. So I'm really surprised by them as far as winning that division. We talked Dodgers. We talked Padres, who are still all there. Um, I don't think anybody thought the Giants would be winning winning the, the, the division at this point. So that's a big surprise for me. All right, but the disappointment have, for me a, would be the sorry, Braves. I have a question. Are they... You, I know you said uh, surprise, but are they really surprised with their track record of kind of being good like every three years or four? They kind of do this thing of being good like every three or four years. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this year in particular, it was Dodgers, it was Padres. Padres, yeah. Right, That's so, true. And they're they're beating both of those teams. Like, So it's one thing if they were just competitive with them and they were third in the division, then I'd be like, okay. But no, they're first in the division right now with – what most people would say is probably the two best teams in the NL, not just not just the division. So the fact that they're number one in the NL, well, I'm not sure in the NL, but in the NL West over the two teams that people would say is the best team in the whole side of, in the whole conference, to me that's a surprise. So I would call them the surprise. Uh, like I was saying before you interrupted me, <laughs> uh, the Braves would be my disappointment. 
Uh, it's weird, though, because, like I said, I don't tune in a ton to baseball. But anytime I do tune in, I swear the Braves are winning, like, 15-2, to two, <laughs> mashing home runs. Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm like, how are they still under 500? Like, I guess I, for them, I just need to watch every game because every game I've seen them play, they dominate that game. But yet, I guess when I turn my bet, when I turn my back, they they don't win any of those <laughs> games. It must be so. I feel like they're the best team in that division. Like, I don't feel I feel pretty comfortable saying that. But I believe they're third right now. I think it's Mets, Nationals, and then Braves. So that's a disappointment. Like you said, they're not far back. The way baseball teams go, I mean, like I said, the Brewers just rattled off ten in a row. If the Braves did that, they'd probably be in first place after that. So. With baseball, these kind of things kind of ebb and flow, but all year they just haven't seemed to be able to get over the hump. I feel like they've been one or two games under 500 from the beginning. I feel like they started the season 0-2 just so they can st- so they can be two or games below 500 all season. So that's going to be my biggest disappointment. Like I said, they're still able to turn it around, but I figured they would be winning that division by now. Yeah, um Another team I think that should definitely be on the disappointment list is probably the Yankees, being only two games up on uh, 500. Uh, really disappointing for them. They, you know, kind of started off the season bad. I think they got like swept or something by the Orioles or got beat, you know, bad by the Orioles. Just kind of got off to a bad start. Um, yeah, I don't. Maybe they hit a second half run. You know, they're probably gonna have to get a wild card spot, honestly. But if they want to make the playoffs, just because I don't know if they're gonna catch. They probably not, don't catch the Red Sox. Um, the wild card spots right now looking like Oakland, um, Tampa in front of them, who's already in the division. So, yeah, I think the Yankees also are a disappointing team that aren't gonna make the playoffs uh, again. Didn't make the playoffs in the uh, shortened season, so that's two years back to back. Aaron Boone, I don't know if he was really on uh, on the hot seat or, you know, probably will definitely next year if he makes it. But uh, up in New York, they really don't hold on to managers that long anyway. So, yeah, the Yankees, the disappointment team. So I heard Aaron Boone got a vote of confidence, and that's usually what happens before you get fired. Like that's – they call it a vote of confidence, but that's pretty much putting you on – on a timeline at that point in time like anytime somebody comes out and like you know we support him at that point you might want to start looking to sell your home because if things don't turn around real quick your ass is out of there so yeah but but to me you said he might be on the hot seat i think he's on the hot seat right now but to me this isn't an aaron boone problem this is a cashman problem like i i look at this team and it's funny they're on tv right now as we're doing this podcast and they're just not well constructed. They, you know, they don't have good enough starting pitching. Their bullpen is okay. I mean, Chapman's good. I, the rest of the guys are just okay. They have guys in their lineup that swing and miss too much. They either they're either bopping home runs or striking out. That's not a you know you got to have guys to make contact. They got to hit you know you got to hit the ball. You're not hitting the ball. You have no chance of scoring runs. So this is a Cashman problem more than a Boone problem to me. And I don't know if Cashman's going anywhere anytime soon. Or what, you know, they're, you know, the management's, you know, the owner's thinking about that. But he's got to fix this. This team isn't going to be good without, you know, major changes to its pitching staff, basically. Yeah, and I mean, you're probably right. But, I mean, in professional sports, it's always going to be the coach that goes because it's the easiest thing to make it look like you're making a change. Specifically when you're a team like the Yankees that's kind of expected to always be a winner. Like, I mean, look at the Orlando Magic. Do you... 
really think Steve Clifford is the reason why they weren't good? Like, it was, he got fired, but we know damn well that team just ain't good. But in professional sports, we fire coaches because it's the easiest way to make it look like we're like we're doing something towards winning. Like that we won't put deal with or put up with mediocrity. But it's just an easy lever to pull to make it look like you as a GM are striving for greatness. It's, I mean, we all know it's just kind of optics, but optics can get you fired. So ultimately, whether it's Boone's fault or not, you're the manager for the New York Yankees. They missed the playoffs two years in a row. I think your ass is out of there. I mean, it don't have to be your fault for you to be the scapegoat, and I think that's what's going to happen if they don't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think you talked me into it. I think he's gone after this season. <laughs> yeah, so uh, like I said, Aaron Boone, uh, get yourself a, a real estate agent. Uh, a realtor, that's the word I'm trying to think of. On that note, why do people say realtor like there's a vowel in between the L and the T? That's always bothered me. I don't know why it bothers me, but when people say realtor, drives me crazy i'm like there's it's just l than t realtor realtor not real utter all right i had to get that out there put it on the wax for anybody else the thing is is like realtors say that they call themselves realtors and i'm like you don't know how to pronounce your damn title all right i'm off i'm off of it let's talk trevor bauer because not necess- I don't want to necessarily get all the way into kind of what's going on because there's a lot of allegations there's this there's that I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not true. I do know that the allegations are very serious. And I also know that baseball had no plans, specifically the Dodgers, had no plans to suspend him until they got backlash for not putting him on the, I think they call it the exempt list or seven-day, whatever, administrative leave list. Why were they going to let run him out there? Because they had him planning to start. And they asked Dave Roberts about it. And he was like, well, you know, we're just going to do whatever baseball tells us to do. Like, my man is being accused of some really serious allegations. Why were they even thinking about running my man out there? Uh, I don't know. I I don't have a good answer for that. Because they should have taken him, you know, put him on that list as soon as these allegations became, you know, public through, I think, TMZ and a couple other people started reporting it. And, yeah, you know, organizations do this all the time where they just don't think clearly and they just, you know, they go straight to the winds and don't think, oh, this looks bad. Oh, this is bad. Maybe we should take a step back, remove this person. Let's figure it out. And then we'll move on from there, especially with a team like the Dodgers. Like you're a you're already a good team. You really don't need him. Like he's a pitcher. He pitches every five days anyway. Remove him from the situation for a while. Figure it out. And I just don't. Uh, get why they were trying to keep playing him until baseball moved in and was like, hey, uh, no, you need to sit down for a minute here, sir. We need to figure this out. So, yeah, that's just a bad you know, move by the Dodgers, which, I mean, low-key, they try to be on their high horse a lot, but they make a lot of bad moves. If you want to start going back, you know, last couple of years, we can talk about the real series incident with Turner having COVID and being on the field, off the field, mass, no mass. You know, the Dodgers are real chesty about things and they tend to be on the wrong side a lot of times and then want to puff their chest out at some other things that maybe aren't as serious that just maybe relate to baseball, but their things are, you know, off the field serious, you know, so 
maybe the Dodgers should think about that next time when they want to talk about other people and teams. Yeah, they were definitely on their high horse, and I know you as a as an Astros fan probably are a little more sensitive to that since they were real real upset about the sign stealing and all that, but yet they're letting people with allegations. And, I mean, let's not forget the whole Yasiel Puig incident. So they definitely got some stuff to where they should probably be worried about their organization versus other organizations. Uh, speaking of incidents, Shikari Richardson kind of went from, like, the the great hope for America to win the sprint, and it was, we were going to see the duel with uh, I'm losing her name, but the Jamaican sprinter. Uh, everybody was very excited to see that um, in the 100. Um, but as most of you probably know, she got popped with a 30-day suspension for testing positive for cannabis. She took full accountability for it. She also explained herself. She said that she was smoking to help cope with the death of her biological mother do you think it's fair or foul that she was suspended for 30 days for cannabis i mean i'm gonna you know i personally don't think she should have been i when are we gonna stop acting like marijuana is a performance enhancing drug like, we do this thing where we suspend people. Or I guess most sports now are kind of, you know, laxing off of that. They're pretty much kind of letting you do your own thing kind of by state, I guess, more or less. Like, yeah, yeah, state's letting it, so we're kind of letting it go. But, you know, anything that, you know, track, Olympics kind of stuff, anti-doping, you know, agencies, anything that kind of draws blood, they're a little bit more strict on that kind of stuff. I still don't get it just because uh, I don't – I've never heard of anybody smoking weed and getting – better or like consistently better i don't know what like why we're banning that to where we won't let athletes do that especially when we know it helps with pain and athletes are you know usually in a lot of pain a lot of the time because they're pushing their body so much and you know maybe they're using it to also help with um anxiety and stuff like that maybe just talking to people dealing with a lot of people because you will be doing a lot of that stuff going over to the olympics and having to do a lot of interviews have a lot of people tugging at you, a lot of people around, just like high, just high stress situations. So hopefully moving forward, we can kind of, you know, lax on those things for Olympians too. So we don't have these problems and we don't have to miss out on seeing great athletes like Shikari rerun. Cause I know I've seen something that she might be able to do a, a relay or something like that, but you yeah. know, I don't want to just see it in a relay. Yeah, her suspension will be up in time for her to be able to run the relay, uh, which I guess is a consolation prize. I wanted to see her, like I said, go against the Jamaican sprinter because that was going to be kind of one of the biggest events in the whole Olympics, really. Um, and now we don't get to see that, uh, which is really upsetting and frustrating. So for me, I understand the idea of rules are rules. I get that, and I get the idea that she knew that it was against the rules. I understand all that, but just for me personally and i i saw this in a in a tweet so i don't want to say it's an original idea but it is something that really kind of made me think and i was like that's that's a damn good point is we talk about rules of rules and there's consequences for those rules and you just have to abide by them blah 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 but this is in a country to where we had rules for the pandemic and half the country couldn't follow them we're talking 150 million people wouldn't do it because they thought it was a dumb rule so you can miss me with this idea that it doesn't matter that's a dumb rule 
you're supposed to abide by it because we've seen half the country do the exact opposite and now they want to kind of chastise Shikari Richardson and be on their high horse acting like they don't know their own soul and that they were absolutely doing the exact opposite. I mean, we ain't even got to take it to the pandemic. I know pretty much everybody listening, and I know you, Nick, have been pulled over for speeding, and we act like the cops the asshole. We knew the damn rule. We saw that 55 when we were going 75, but then when we get pulled over, the cops the asshole for holding us to those rules, right? So where was rules of rules back then? You know what I mean? So at this time, like, hold yourself to the same standard that you're going to try to hold these athletes to. At the end of the day, we know that cannabis has healing properties in it. We know that it can help with anxiety and depression. And it's just, we, like you said, we got to stop vilifying this, this plant or drug, if you want to call it. Like, just marijuana. Like, I try not to even use the term marijuana. Uh, I don't want to get too much into that. But for those of you that got time, go ahead and Google the origin of the word marijuana, and you'll understand why I don't use it. Um, so back to the point, cannabis, to me, like you look at all the drugs that we use in this country, like that allegedly have healing properties, but also have side effects that we are just okay with. I don't understand what makes cannabis any different. The whole thing is kind of stupid to me. They should just let Shikari run. Cause we got people, I'm sure there's people actually having performance enhancing drugs that just aren't on the list and they're able to perform, but because she smoke some weed to cope with a tragedy in her life and they said we can't watch her run it just don't sit right with me it don't make sense again i get that it's a rule i still don't like it i don't really i don't really give a damn that it's a rule because i think it it isn't like one of the quotes that said that it goes against the spirit of competition how the hell does weed go against the spirit of competition like in what world does that make any goddamn sense? So that's how I feel. I wish Kari could run. Like like she said herself, she is young. Theoretically, in three years in the 2024 Olympics, we'll be able to see her run again. Uh, but that's really just my take on it. So it's, we've been obviously saying a lot about we should let Shikari run. There's also been a really big push to let athletes in college sports make their money. We've finally got to that point now. I think I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, the G League paying players, and I think there's like the overtime league is also going to start paying players. I don't think it's a coincidence that those things have popped up and all of a sudden NIL has become a thing that got pushed through. But regardless, it did get pushed through. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh NIL, which is for name and likeness, for those that don't know. Basically, college players can get paid for their name and likeness. So things that used to be illegal, like having a YouTube stream or advertising for a local business or even a national business, you couldn't do that before. Now you can make money signing on your autographs or doing whatever you want with your name and likeness. Um, How do you think that impacts college sports altogether, Nick? Uh, Well, first off, let me say... About damn time, about damn time, cause they, these do all sports, any sport, uh, swimming, basketball, baseball, football, whatever. Let the dude, let the men and women get paid. They work too damn hard not to get paid for these colleges and make so much money off of them. And it's about time that they, uh, you know, can make some money off their name and likeness, as you were saying. 
and I was thinking about this other day. I was like, man, you know, this might be able to, this might be the thing that actually can even out recruiting at some schools in certain sports. Because I was thinking about, I'm like, now if you're a school, say, uh, I'm just going to pick out a random big city. Let's go Chicago. I don't, I don't know of many small schools or colleges in Chicago or whatever, whatever. But say if you're a small school in Chicago and you'd be like, yo, a part of your recruiting pitch is like, hey, we're Chicago. We got mad sponsorships here in town everywhere. We can find you. We'll find you. Da, 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 whatever, whatever. Now versus a place. Now say Alabama with football. We, you know, Alabama, big power school. Yeah, they can still got their money, but how many sponsorships can you really get in Tuscaloosa? Like, is that is that just going to be soaked up by the bigger athletes and now, like, the medium, the small, like, can they still make, you know, what can they make off their name and likeness, this plan? Like, I just, I don't know if it's going to spread things out because there's just going to be so much more opportunity to make money in different places now that you can actually get sponsorships, advertisements, this or that from small businesses, big businesses, whatever it may be. Because who knows what booster it has some restaurant in, say, like Chicago that just wants to throw money at an athlete to go to, like, his small school that he went to. He's like, yo, come to this school. I got a million for you as soon as you come sign the dotted line. So I, I kind of hope it evens out recruiting at all levels in every sport. And we get some of these smaller schools coming out of nowhere winning big time because they throwing they got sponsorships throwing big money at players. Yeah, so that's an interesting thought. So what's like you're talking about the Alabama example. I think I don't think that they're limited to making money in Tuscaloosa. They can make money out of anybody who's willing to sponsor them. So that's the important thing there. Is so it can be a national thing. The big constraint is gonna be for states that have amateurism law still because if the state itself has an amateurism law and they won't let you make money off your name and likeness they ain't getting no damn recruits that's just all there is to it like they every school in those states i don't know those states off the top of my head but are gonna have to be pushing their legislation to get through so whereas they're able to have their athletes make money on their name and likeness so that's the first thing that that's got to have to happen that's where some of this uneven playing field could happen is because some of these schools that are in those states may potentially lose on some athletes What's interesting about the point that you made about the recruiting thing is there's a lot of ideas as far as it being the opposite, as far as the big schools basically being able to fund all these players and do all these things. to Because now, ultimately, we know players have been getting paid under the table for as long as college sports has been big business. Um, but basically, the thought process is that boosters are now able to do it a little more loudly and be like, hey, we'll just get you a sponsorship for this, that, and the other. Um, but I'm like you. I think it actually kind of evens that out, uh, mainly because when these... When you look at recruiting and you look at people getting kind of cash on the table to go to that school, that's kind of a one-time payment for going to that school. But if you don't end up being good, you're not able to really make money off your name and likeness because people don't know who you are. So from a long-term revenue standpoint, it makes more sense for me to go to a smaller school that I can be a star at and people know who I am versus going to Alabama and being a backup for dudes and then not... I can't sell my name and likeness if no one knows who I am. So I think it helps with recruiting um, for smaller schools and helps even it out because if I'm a star quarterback and Clemson and Alabama and Texas already have their guy, instead of taking the 10000 to go be his backup, I would rather go somewhere like a 
well, for me, a, a Virginia Tech, perhaps, um, be a star there and then be able to make money off my name because ultimately college football, like I said, it doesn't have to just be Blacksburg, Virginia that you're getting these endorsements for. Um, you can get endorsements anywhere that people want basically want to use you to help promote their business. So for me, I think it'll even that out. Um, also, when you look at the playoffs expanding, um, if you look at a team like Cincinnati, for instance, their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, right? So now they have a chance, they have a much better chance to be in the playoffs if it, if it gets to 12-team playoff, which it looks like it's going to. Um, I don't think it'll be next year, so Desmond Ritter won't get to see this. But a guy like that at a school like Cincinnati, he's already a star, He's already well-known in the college football community, so he's able to more than likely sell his name and likeness. But then you're also, if you're recruiting for Cincinnati, able to say, hey, we can actually make the playoffs and have a chance to play for a championship, which has never really been true for schools like that. So if you mix those two things, hey, if you come here and be a star, you can make a lot of money off your name. And then, hey, you can also actually win a championship at these schools. I think that balances out recruiting more so than it does the opposite to where people think it's kind of the rich getting richer. I think this actually creates more parity in college sports because you it's not just the big schools handing out 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 here. It's me betting on myself that I can go be a star somewhere and then making my own money above the table versus under the table. Yeah, while you were talking, I was so many things were popping into my mind. I'm like, yo, if I'm recruited, I'm telling uh, my recruits about taxes. I'm like, yo, hey, here in Texas and Florida, low taxes. You, Hey, you want to go out to California and them take almost all your check from these endorsements? Like, you got to start, you can start pumping a lot of information into these kids that can help you recruit. I mean, especially depending, like you said earlier, talking about laws and now me talking about taxes upon where the state is, you know. I wonder if a lot of coaches now are thinking like, dang, looking at, you know, some of the stuff their state implements is like, oh, I don't know if I can recruit here with some of this stuff they do. And I exactly. might have to go somewhere else. I'm going to tell you another thing. I'm going to put I'm going I'm to put game out there. So if I'm a college athlete. Right. And I just and let's say I have a year of this and then I graduate. I'm starting a business to help teach these kids how to make more money off their name and likeness. Like I would have a whole business off that to whereas these college kids that have an opportunity to kind of capitalize on their own success financially that they haven't been able to do like still as an amateur i'm starting some sort of program to whereas people are we're teaching you how to maximize that like that would be what i would start right off rip i'm sure somebody's already thinking of that because i mean I'm not the smartest dude in the room. I know if I thought of it, somebody else has too. But that'd be the first thing I did. I would start a business purely looking at this is how you go into this and make the most money off your name and likeness while you're in college. Like That's got to be a program. Hell, if I'm a university, I'd probably put that into a class. Like, a I'd make class. A, yeah, I'd make a whole <laughs> class about that. Like All my all the athletes are going to be in that. The swim team, the football team, basketball, they're all going to be in this one class about how to make the most money <laughs> off their own name and likeness. Like specifically with the fact that not even sports are related, but people are making much more money off of like streaming, Twitch. There's all kinds of different ways to make money off your own name. So that class, if I'm a big school, I'm finding whoever the hell can teach that, and I'm putting that into my curriculum because that's going to be the new wave. It's going to be a, a big thing, and I think, it, like you said, it's about that damn time that all these people that ultimately these colleges are making money off of 
are able to see some residuals off of that because I still don't think they're going to be making millions of dollars off their name and like that's not until they become pros. Not everybody. I yeah. think I think a few people can. Like you know, you saw Master P's son got a two million dollar deal. Probably more or less, you know, his father's name than his name's. But yeah. you know, I think there's going to be some people, especially if you know, especially football when you ha- you can't really leave. You know, you have to stick around for at least you know three years. You ball out your first or two years that third year could you can make some serious cash your third year you could be in some microsoft commercials you just never know you know these these companies been dying to give these dudes money anyway i mean so yeah man it's actually a good thought because i'm thinking about with basketball like maybe some players stay if they find a nice little niche to make some money off that like you know what i'm just gonna stay in college because i'm getting this money off my revenue from these businesses that are looking to help me out I might stay a couple years, especially if I'm going to be like a fringe first round pick. Yeah, if you're on like the I, fence. Yeah, I don't really know if it's go- if I'm a, like if I'm a lottery pick, I'm leaving, right? But like, yeah, if yeah. I'm maybe early second, late first, I might stay another year and, and collect yeah. this money from depending on what my endorsements look like. So that's a thought. That's something I haven't even thought of. Uh, let me ask one more question on this before we transition. I've seen a lot of athletes that aren't in college anymore talking about how much money they would have made if they were still in college and this was the thing when they were in college so i thought about that and i was like okay so let's ask this and also for those of you that follow us on instagram i'm gonna make a i'm gonna make a bracket and we're gonna we're gonna crown a champion we're gonna have let's call it 16 deep uh nick mike and i will will and we'll probably you know we'll throw the one in there get his take on that We'll find the the 16 best athletes in the last, not best, but most marketable athletes in the last 20 years. We'll rank them 1 through 16 and to see who we think would have made the most money if this was a thing starting in, like, let's say the year 2000. We're going to put it on the poll every time on Instagram, and we'll let you all select the winner on this. And I think it would be kind of a cool thing to kind of see who we think would make the most money. But while we're on the podcast... I'm just going to ask you straight up right now. Who do you think in the last 20 years in any sport would have made the most money off of this? So it's funny you ask because I was thinking about this the other day when this, you know, rule went through and I seen all the, you know, athletes that, you know, talked about graduated ever like, man, I wish I could have made money. You know, a few people popped up. Reggie Bush popped up. Maurice Claret popped up. Uh, Chris Webber was asking, hey, where's the key to the banners? So, you know, you had a lot of those people that were real salty about some of, maybe, you know, some of the stuff they got slapped with. But, uh, man, who would make the most cash? I'm, it's close, and it's probably between a Reggie Bush and a Tim Tebow. But I'm probably going to lean, lean Tim Tebow, man. That guy had college football smash while he was at Florida. They were winning ships. He was everywhere. Everybody seemed to love him. They loved his rah-rah attitude. Uh, you know, get it done any type of way, coach, you know, you know, let me at him, you know, Captain America type. Like, they would have had him as Captain America if he could have got paid, like, off rip. They would have had my man in all the outfits and commercials, subway commercials, whatever commercials he could have been in. So, I'm going to go with Tebow. I think Reggie Bush is close. You know, being as good as he was, also being in L.A. helps uh, with him, but... Yeah, I think I think Tim Tebow would have had people eating out the palm of his hand, and people already love that guy. I think he would have stacked up at Florida. I think that's a good answer. Uh, man, 
I'm trying to think because there's so many athletes. Because for the most part, for basketball players, it's not going to work because most of them leave early, so they wouldn't have made the most money on it because they're only there for a year. Whereas football, you got to be there for at least three. Um, I do think a guy like J.J. Redick, I think he could have made a ton of money because he was so popular. Either you love him or hate him, but everybody knew who J.J. Redick was. Reggie Bush is a really good one as well. I think a guy like Johnny Manziel, because of just kind of who he was as a person. The reason why I don't say Tim Tebow, I think Tim Tebow probably could have made the most money, but he's never really seen the dude that really tried to market himself like that. Like, he really didn't doesn't come across to me as somebody that's really trying to push the, and make the most money that he can. Like, he just seems like a guy that can't give up sports. That's why he's out here trying out for tight end. But I don't know if he's necessarily in it for the money. So I'm not sure if he would have maximized in that way. Johnny Menzel was looking for the money. I mean, that's that's his damn signature. He's throwing up the money signs and whatnot. So I think a guy like Johnny Menzel would be close. SEC football. He's in Texas. I mean, we know how Texas played. I mean, so that's a big one for me. Reggie Bush is definitely up there. A guy that I haven't heard a lot that could have really benefited from this to me is Matt Leinart. Like, I think we forget how big Matt Leinart was. Just because he was trash, yeah. just because he was trash in the NFL, doesn't mean that he still wasn't that dude. USC quarterback sure. too, like out in Cali. Any USC player at that time, Lindell White, he would have made some stacks. Like, yeah. I mean, not all time stacks, but he'd have, like that USC team probably would have had a whole bunch of people making a lot of money. Yeah, uh, I wonder, like a guy like Tyler Hansborough, who was there for four years, it was a great college player. Like that's a guy that could have made a lot of money too. So. We're going to have to figure out this 16. I'm not sure who I would say would have made the most, but we're going to have to figure out who we think our top 16 is and do a bracket. I mean, even Ooh. like a Diana Tarazi, like like women's yeah. players that were there for four years that were easily marketable. Like Candace Parker. Candace Parker's another one. Like there's so many people that could have made a ton of money off of this. And so we're going to have to whittle it down to 16, and we're going to have to do this uh, little tournament and see but who you- – Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. You know what I also didn't think about because I wasn't really thinking like broad scale is this might put us on the more of the athletes in smaller or you know not as well known like swimming or you know what I mean because now they're marketable mm-hmm. and if you know people find you and you're like oh this person's good let's put them on we might get to know people that we never would have gotten to know for this stuff you know what I mean like yeah so that's I, a good I point. think this is gonna be good all around I think this is gonna help all around and just. I'm just really glad, you know, for everybody, you know, not just because they always, you know, made the excuse, well, we can't figure out how to pay everybody. You know, they just they always try to throw that for excuse for not paying these kids. So I'm just kind of happy. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like we've talked about this forever. Uh, It's okay. You can't pay everybody like as an employee. Like that makes sense to me because with Title IX, you can't pay all the men's sports without paying all the women's sports. Like you have to pay them. You have to pay them equitably. Um so I get the fact that, you know, a lot of college sports actually don't make money. In fact, they kind of hemorrhage money. So the idea of paying the diving team isn't really feasible. In fact, the the more likely scenario would have been they just would have cut the sport. So I get that from an employee standpoint. But this has nothing to do with the colleges, really. Like, I'm sure, like I said, there's going to be some boosters that find a way to help their teams. But technically... They're not making money directly from the college. They're making money from just just their name. So I think this would be good for everybody involved. Um, and I don't the people that are opposed to it. I'm just like, why? 
why are you standing in the way of somebody else's money that ultimately they would have earned it doesn't make sense to me so uh anybody who doesn't want to see this in my mind is at best a hater let's just call it like that so speaking of a hater let me talk about patrick beverly the sun's made it to the finals yeah 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 we'll get to that i'm gonna start off hot right now with patrick beverly and how much of a hoe he is for how he was acting yeah i said hoe use a hoe my man is the biggest trash talker in the league he's in the league because of the fact that he tries to get under people's skin like and he's a good defender who gets under people's skin that's why he has a check so you watch that game, game six, I think it was. They, they were out in six, yeah. In the in the second quarter, Pat Beverly gets his little yo-yo out, and he crosses up Chris Paul, right? He scores a little bucket. It was a nice move. It was a nice bucket. He's in Chris Paul's ear right away, talking that shit, doing what Patrick Beverly does. And I'm good with it. I love that about Patrick Beverly. I'm all for that. But then, Chris Paul goes out, because this happened in the second quarter. I think it was a little bit before halftime. Chris Paul goes out and gives you 28 in the second half. Just gives you the business for the whole second half. Sends your little ass home. Doesn't even say anything. He looks at you, walks by, and you want to sucker push him? Like, I didn't even know sucker push was a thing. He sucker pushed him, like, in the back. Like, he waited till he walked past him. And pushed him in the back like he was hood because you just pushed somebody in the back. Like, come on. That's the most bitch move that I've seen all playoffs. And there's been a lot of flopping. There's been a lot of bitch moves, let's just be honest. But that takes the cake. Like, tell me I'm wrong. Like, he's the most talkative dude that there is. You can't get offended because I'm sure Chris Paul was talking shit. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I'm sure he was giving, giving him the business and telling him about himself. Because Chris Paul likes to talk too. But you can't be a dude known for talking and then get all sensitive Sally when somebody talks back to you. Like I tell my daughter all the time, you can't be sa- you can't be sassy and sensitive. You have to pick one. You can't be both. My man Pat Bev is sassy and sensitive, and I'm just not okay with that. Like you can't, you can't do it. Like if my eight year old can't do it, then your grown ass can't do it either. <laughs> nah, I agree. It was. I, I laughed because I hadn't heard sucker push before. I, <laughs> I started cracking up. <laughs> but yeah, he did basically sucker push him. And uh, yeah, man, you just got to take it at that point. You know, you got your little crossover in. You was, you know, feeling yourself doing your thing. And then, you know, you got ran over by a train. And sometimes, you know, you get run over a train. You can't talk shit to the train after the train runs you over. I'm sorry. You just got to lie there dead. You're dead. Just lie. It's okay. It, to his credit, he did apologize. But still, like, you can't do it. Like, it just can't happen. Like, specifically, when you're who you are and you have your persona of uh, of a shit talker. Like, it's one thing if you ain't never said nothing to nobody, and then all of a sudden he's all in your face and you ain't like that. Then, I mean, it still ain't okay. But at least at that point in time, all right, whatever. But to be the dude that's always in everybody's ear. Also, let's not forget... That was it, like two years ago, when when they first got Kawhi, and he was in Curry's ear talking about you had the last five years, the next five are mine. How's how's that working out for you? Like, you know those those tweets that they always say, like how it started, 
and, and how it's going. Like, someone should put one up with him talking to Steph and then also put the picture of him pushing Chris Paul in the back. Cause like how it started and how it's going. Because that's, that's what the first thing I thought of when I saw that. I was just like, you was just talking about the next five of yours, and now you're out here pushing people in the back because they sent you, sent you home. <clears throat> All right, I got it out. I told you I was going to do it. It's out of my system. Let's talk Suns now, because that's the team that's still playing. Chris Paul, he's been getting his flowers from everybody. You know I'm a big Chris Paul fan. Obviously, I model my own game a lot after Chris Paul. I'm just so happy to see my man in the finals. I don't know if you saw the clip with him talking to Monty and, and Monty telling him, hey, you, you went to the finals. And he's like, I'm trying to calm down. And they, like, hugged. It's a beautiful thing. I'm just so happy to see him do it. I hope he gets his ring. What's your thoughts? Do you think the Suns can can win it all now? Like, is, you think that's a possibility for them right now? Um, yeah. I mean, at this point, you, who knows what Giannis, uh, Trey, both of them, got, those guys are banged up. Uh, the Bucks, you know, to me, the Bucks aren't better than the Suns if um, they're not. They don't have Giannis, so that's a you know that's a big step back. So, yeah, to me, the Suns have to be the um, title favorite right now. And CP3, you know, like you said, he's getting his flowers from every direction. Um, a lot of people are, you know, happy for him. He's, you know, kind of, you know, finally made it to the NBA Finals. It was like a long process of making it up the ladder for him. So he's finally getting there. Um, I was really happy for Monty. Uh, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know his backstory really. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into it. If you want to look into it, you can. But there's stuff there. So I'm really happy for him as a coach, you know, getting this opportunity with a good team, you know, to get a ring. I don't remember if he won a ring playing or not. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of rooting for him now, I think. Um, I think I want the Suns to win just for those two guys to kind of get their rings and be happy and have, you know, have a good storybook ending. So, I think I'm a you know I don't even know who the Suns are playing. I'm gonna go Suns and six. Okay, I like that. I think that's a good point that you made. And I think when you look at the Suns roster, it's it's a lot of players like that. That's kind of that redemption tour or whatever. Because you look at DeAndre Ayton being in the same draft with Trey and and Luca, and a lot of people were talking about he's a he's a bust, and they should have picked one of those two. And so now he's balling out, showing everything. Devin Booker, a lot of people said he was an empty stats guy. I won't go on my rant about that. You, you know how I feel about that. And so now he's winning meaningful games. Jay Crowder's been through it, you know. I mean, he always seems to be on a good team, but just can't quite get there. Now he's in the finals. Because I don't think he's been in the finals before. I think all his teams have lost before the finals. Um, Who? Jay Sorry. Crowder. I'm pretty sure he was with Boston. He was last they were year. close. Last year with the Heat. Yeah, with the Heat. I'm tripping. Yeah. He so was two years now. So yeah, now he's starting a little run. Um campaign was out the league, playing in China. And he's not and honestly, like yeah. I thought I thought he was done. Now he's nah. in the finals. You know. Put some flowers on that guy's name. A lot of people on TV like to joke my man because he used to dance around with uh, Russell Westbrook. And, you know, at the time, yeah, whatever, given. But my man balled out in the playoffs when he had to start, you know, do his thing. So give my man his flowers, too. A lot of y'all on TV that was talking y'all's ish about campaign. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't on TV, but I was talking my shit, too. So, I mean, I'm giving him his flowers. He 
he persevered, and now he's a key role player on a on a finals team. So there's a lot of those stories up and down that roster and in that coaching staff. So I think from a sentimental standpoint, they got to be the favorite. That's got to be the team that people want to see. I mean, has the have the Suns ever won it? Like I know they made it to the finals with Barkley, but they ran into that bus on Jordan. So that nope. wasn't going to happen. So I don't think they they'd be the They'd be the first team to do it for the city. Um, also, the city. Wanna, I want to address one time, just real quick, going back to the Pat Beverly thing with the push. Uh, there's been a lot of time people were talking about Kaminsky and some of those players like not retaliating with Pat Bev. But when you think about it, like that's part of the reason why the Suns haven't been to the finals is because when you look at what happened with uh, Steve Nash and Robert Ory and them coming to his defense, they got... Amari got suspended, so they did the absolute right thing. If anybody knows better than to retaliate, it's the Suns organization. So everybody lay off my man Kaminsky. Not that he him getting suspended would really matter, but ultimately not escalating the situation. You're they were going to the finals regardless after that. So in my mind, they did the right thing. Maybe they could have found Pep Beverly outside after the game or something like that. But in that moment, they I think they did the right thing there. So hats off to the Suns. Like I said, I hope they. I'm hoping they do it just for Chris Paul. Um, let's talk about who they're potentially going to play. Uh, it's like the battle of attrition with Milwaukee and Atlanta. We got Trey Young questionable today. Giannis hurt his knee. They have him out, and they keep listing him as doubtful. I think he's done. Like I saw that injury. I don't know why they keep talking he's about He's out for tonight, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think he's playing until next oh, season. Oh, like – Oh, got you, got you. It's going to be like Kawhi where they kept saying, like, well, he's questionable, he's out. Oh, he's No, he ain't playing. Like, that. I don't think he's coming back. So, I guess I'll just cut right to the chase. Do you think Milwaukee can win this series without Giannis? Let's say Trey comes back. Do you think they can win it without Giannis if Trey's healthy? And if they do win it, do you think they can beat the Suns without Giannis? Uh, I think they can beat the Hawks without Giannis because they play good enough defense that um, they'll they're in pretty much any game. And I honestly think the offense probably flows a little bit better. I mean, not you know, having Giannis definitely helps. Don't get me wrong, but now you're not having somebody that can't really shoot on the court. It's now Bobby Portis who can shoot and handle you know pass handle the ball. So now you're not down to really someone who can't shoot. So now this spaces the floor a little bit better. So they can definitely beat the Hawks. I'm not sure about the Suns, though, without Giannis. Like, that's when you need him. <laughs> and if he's not playing in that series, then no, I can't see them beating the Suns. Like I said, six, probably a gentleman sweep at that point if I know Giannis isn't going to play in any games in that series. So I definitely think they can get past the Hawks, probably do uh, tonight if Trey does play or doesn't play. I think they close this out and move on to the finals. And then that puts them... Um, yeah, if like you said, you think he's out for um, the rest of the playoffs. Done. You think? Yeah, I think he's done. Him. Yeah. So, yeah, if he's done, done, then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna bring it even back to a gentleman's sweep, maybe even a clear sweep, if you let me sleep on it. So. Yeah. So, at first I was a little optimistic because we saw Giannis in uh in basically in his warm ups or whatever, and I was like, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. But then I watched my man walk off the court. That limp was heavy. Like he was just walking. That was a heavy limp. That wasn't like barely. Like I don't see how that gets better in in a week or two. 
So, I mean, they call him the Greek Freak, so maybe he'll he'll do a recovery, but it didn't look good to me. And I don't know of any ACL injuries that last two weeks. They said it wasn't a tear, but they said it was an ACL injury. Those are a month. You know what I mean, like a month, two months. So I don't see him coming back. Um, to your point, I do think they could still beat the Hawks. I think, as we saw in Game 5, it kind of unlocks a lot of potential we've seen with Brooke Lopez. Like, we forgot that Brooke Lopez is the leading scorer in Nets history, and he did it from the block. And when you have four shooters around Brooke, and, I mean, he's, what is he, like seven one, seven two, something like that? Like, he's a handful in the post. He just doesn't do it a lot because he's got a clear space for Giannis, which makes sense to me. Um, but now it's kind of his paint. Um, you run the pick and roll now with Drew, and like you said, you have all shooters. So you saw Drew have his best game in the playoffs because he's able. To, there's no, there's no bad shooter. So it's kind of space for him. He's able to hit shooters out. So I do think their offense flows better. I don't think it is better because anytime you can get the buckets that Giannis does gets you, like you'll take dunks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Giannis is good for about what, four to six dunks every night? So, I mean, when you can get eight to 12 points just off of easy dunks, and then I know he's not a great free throw shooter, but he's putting he's putting teams in the bonus. Um, he's still hitting some free throws. So, you're obviously not getting better offensively or defensively without Giannis, but it does seem to flow better. It does seem to have better spacing. It allows uh, for players, like Giannis is one of those players to me that while he's great, I feel like other people have to take a back seat. I don't like the saying of make your teammates better. I think that's a stupid saying. But people have to take a back seat for Giannis in order for this to work. Uh, so when he's out of the game, they're able to kind of step up and show you all of their talents. Um, like I said, Drew and and Brooke Lopez kind of reap the most benefits. I think Chris Milton's played with Giannis enough to know how to kind of get his own with Giannis. So I don't know if it really affects Chris Middleton offensively. Um, but for those two, I think it really does help them when he's out. Um, I guess helps the wrong word. It, it allows them to play their whole game, I think is what I'm trying to say. So I think they can still beat the Hawks. Uh, I said Bucks and six. I didn't know that this is how we were going to get to here. <laughs> so let's just, let's just call it what it is. Let's just stay where, where I was at and I'll say Bucks and six, but to answer my other question as far as the finals, Giannis doesn't play. Hell no. I think they get swept. Maybe one. Maybe one. <laughs> maybe but, one. So we're basically like filling both a sweep, maybe one, if Giannis doesn't play. Yeah, I'm going to say a sweep. But I wouldn't be surprised if they get one. But that Suns team is healthy. They're motivated. They're balanced. And I know everybody's going to put that asterisk if they do win the ship because ultimately, if, if what we're saying is true, AD got hurt, Jamal Murray was already hurt, uh, Kawhi was already hurt, and now Giannis would have already been hurt. I don't give a damn. They won the ship. You, like, ult- like, the thing is that's weird to me is that we always talk about how important availability is, and we bash guys like AD because they're not available. And then when you have a Suns team that manages to stay available, we bash them because the other team couldn't do it. So I'm like, is it a skill? I mean, is it a thing that we like applaud and 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 celebrate, or is it not? Like, we can't have it both ways. We can't bash the dude that couldn't stay healthy, but then bash the team that 
was healthy because the other team wasn't healthy. Like it doesn't, like it's got to be one or the other. So at the end of the day, a ring's a ring. Kawhi got one of them. Like you said, that I think that first year Steph got one. It was very similar. Call an asterisk if you want to, but if they get it, it's a ring regardless. So that's the way I see it. Um, but yeah, I I think either way the Suns end up winning the ship or should win the ship unless. You know, there's been a lot of injuries this postseason, so I don't want to wish it upon nobody. But barring an injury, I think the Suns got this ship. All right, so let's go ahead and bring it home. This week we're going to talk about a little less about our own athletic career, but more about kind of like our childhood and and our, our love in sports. Um, name me an athlete that growing up either you were capping for and you were loving the dude irrationally, or the opposite, you hated him irrationally. Like, who's that guy for you? So, I'll go with the first who I liked irrationally. I'll try to remember who I disliked irrationally a lot. I'm sure there was somebody I just can't think of. But uh, I don't even know why I used to like this player a lot. He didn't even go to, like, a school I rep. He, I just like this dude, and that's Rex Grossman. I don't know why I liked Rex Grossman. I just did. <laughs> he wasn't even really that good. There was no reasoning for it. Like, there was, was no not. reasoning. He went to Florida. He didn't even play for a team I liked. Like, I just liked the dude. He, he seemed like a fun guy. He seemed like a good dude to chill out with. He seemed like he'd have a beer with you. Just BS. Fun time. Good friend. That's Rex Grossman. That was my person. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's irrational for damn sure. I know that much. Uh, so, I've been thinking about it. There's a ton of athletes I can name. The one that comes to mind the most for me, and you're a baseball guy, so you'll I'm sure you'll know who I'm talking about, but the casual fan won't. B.J. Upton. You couldn't tell me nothing about B.J. Upton. Now, he did have some good years, and I was telling everybody that would listen. I'm like, I told you B.J.'s that dude. But he also had some years where he wasn't that damn good, but I was blaming everything but B.J. as far as I was concerned. I was like, this had nothing to do with – this was – this was a manager decision. They put him in. The, they put him in the three hole. He's not good in the three hole. He should be at the two. I was making all kinds of excuses for my guy. Loved BJ Upton. To this day, I still love BJ Upton. You can't tell me nothing. I was so sad when they didn't get that ring. I think they played against the Phillies. I think the this was Phillies versus Tampa Bay. I think so. Chase Udley. Yeah, it was the Phillies. I was really upset they didn't get that ring. But that's the dude that I irrationally loved. You couldn't tell me nothing about B.J. Upton. I'm, like I said, there's a ton of them. We've talked about this before. Uh, Pierre Jackson's another guy that comes to mind. I was a little older with Pierre Jackson, so I didn't use him. Um, but I'll go with B.J. Upton. For the dude that I rationally hated, and I still to this day feel like it's super overrated, it's Reggie Miller. Like, I, like He's a very good player. I have no problem with him being in the Hall of Fame. But... The difference between Reggie Miller and Rip Hamilton is two feet. Like, let's be honest. Rip Hamilton backs up two feet. They're the same dude. And we don't treat Rip anywhere near the way we treat Reggie. Like, I think, like, when you look at, like, best shooters of all time, like, we put Reggie a little higher than you really should be. Like, if you look at it, like, he's not a better shooter than Ray Allen. He's not a better shooter than Steph Curry. He's not a better shooter than uh, Clay Thompson. When you, I mean, really, he's like, I'll put it this way. Let's just make this shorter. Mitch Richmond is a better player than Reggie Miller, but he gets none of the flowers that Reggie Miller gets. Like, 
there's no way to me that you can say Reggie Miller is a better basketball player than Mitch Richmond. But yet, from a popularity and from a kind of the way most people look at it, they're always going to name Reggie. And I just felt like he was overrated. I was always a Bulls fan, and so I'll never forget when he was acting like his ankle hurt. And then he shoved the shit out of Jordan, came across, hit a three, and then was jumping up and down on his bad ankle. I was like, nah, man, I can't, this can't be it. So I obviously hated Carl Malone, but given some of his antics, I don't think that's irrational. <laughs> He's done some stuff off the court that makes that rational. Um, and so, you're not alone. Yeah. So I'll say Reggie Miller, even though I like him as a person, I think he's a, I think he's good on TV. But as an athlete, I did not like that dude. Yeah, I was I was trying to think about who I didn't like. There wasn't many two like guys I didn't like, dislike, dislike. I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't the biggest Kobe fan at first, just because I felt like everybody kind of was on it, and it was, and I was more of not a Kobe fan when it was still Shaq's team. And actually, you know what? This is why, because. As good as Kobe is, and he is really good, you know, five rings, you know, one of the best two guards to ever play. We got to stop acting like this dude ever did anything when he didn't have a seven-footer on the squad. Like, the dude played with Shaq, Bynum, Pau Gasol, Bynum and Pau at the same damn time. And if you take away those centers on those squads when he played with them, I don't even think the Lakers made the playoffs most of those years. And if they did, they went out first round. So... I, that, that's all I'm saying. I, Kobe, you know, greatest ever doer, you know, rest in peace, Mamba, all that. But that was kind of my reasoning for not liking Kobe was because everybody tried to put him up there with, you know, Michael. And I was just like, you know, my guy hasn't really done much without a seven foot center. And nobody was trying to hear me on that. So maybe that's just me. But, you know, that's kind of the only person I can think of. Yeah, I never disliked Kobe. I was a big T Mac guy. Um, so I picked T-Mac over Kobe, and I used to hate on Kobe a little bit because I was a T-Mac guy. Um, but I always respected this game. Obviously, I lost that. It's like uh, it reminds me of like back in the day when it was either MP3 players or the little mini disc players. Like if you was a mini disc player, you just lost that. Like because <laughs> it ain't that bad, obviously, because T-Mac's still all the famer, still a great player, but like. Yeah, so I used to hate on Kobe a little bit just because I was trying to support my man T-Mac, but I always kind of recognize him as a great player. You're going to have a lot of people pissed at you uh, talking about Kobe. I mean, it's one thing, specifically given the tragedy that happened, but, I mean, you ain't I'm necessarily saying, saying be... you ain't necessarily saying anything wrong, per se, but I don't know if you're allowed to come at Kobe no more. I think that's off limits now. <laughs> I just think... And, and the cult, for the culture, you got to just stay off of that. We got to just act like that didn't happen. Like, <laughs> I'm just talking basketball. That's all I want to talk, people. I just want to talk a little basketball. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be talking some more basketball here in the future, but that's all the time we have today. Uh, you guys enjoy Game 6 today. We will holler at you guys next week. We'll have some more, more cool topics, more cool guests, and... Be sure to follow us at Media Timeout Sports on Instagram. And like I said, we'll get that that tournament going for the uh, who would have made the most money on the NIL. Until next week, you guys have a wonderful week. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.